Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. All right, everybody ready for the Word of God? So am I, especially after singing a song that we just sang. I mean, it just, it, anytime I personally reflect, I'm sure many of you, anytime you reflect on God's love, man, I don't know about you, but it, it just brings me in another level. It, it doesn't matter how long I've been doing this or how much information I have on the love of God. I'm telling you, anytime, it just engages with that, that my heart, my emotion, no matter what, it, it doesn't leave me the same. It always takes me to the, always, not sometimes, all the time. I mean, you, you could, they sing this weekly. It would do the same thing every single time because it's not the song, it's the words. It's the words that I'm singing. It's the words that I'm declaring. And you just start thinking about, listen, I'm talking about the devil. I'm talking about Satan. I'm talking about the great evil out there that has a major part in the last days and in the end of everything. I mean, it's going to be war against God and Satan. Y'all know pretty much who's going to win that. But the point is, is there's going to be millions, countless millions that are going to lose because of who he is and how he operates. Now, my, 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 my job as, as a papa, as a spiritual papa, as a natural papa, is to get you to understand and to know. Everybody say to know. To know the enemy. Not to know the enemy so that you can be, you know, watchful and make sure you stay out of his way and stranger danger. No, to know the enemy so that you will have no fear whatsoever about the enemy, the enemy, ever say the enemy. I mean, it's in the Bible. Jesus talks about the enemy. He talks about demons. He talks about devils. He talks about all, all the things that attack the kingdom of heaven. I mean, he talks about it. In scripture, it's revealed about the enemy. It tells us that our, our warfare isn't against each other, but it's against the enemy. So the devil is real. The devil is out there and he is destroying lives, by the way. He is destroying lives. Now you would equate that to, well, yeah, he's the Satanist and all the world. No, Christian lives. He's destroying Christian lives that have opened up the door of their life to him. Now notice what I said. They have opened up the door of their life to him. Not he's so powerful and overwhelming that he just picks who he can choose. No, the Bible says he goes about seeking whom he can, who's going to open the door. How can I get in? I love when Jesus says, this is him getting ready to go to the cross. He goes, the devil's going to, Satan's coming, but he has no room. There's no door open for him in my life. There's no door open. There's no door open. Oh, he's coming. There's no door open. There's no door open. Turn your name and say, there's no door open. Come on, somebody. I mean, this whole teaching is to get you to the next level. I, the reason why it's so important and so powerful is this. 
everything about what I'm talking about is equated to the most important subject in the word of God. And that is God's love for you. Period. Once you can understand what that statement means, go beyond the, 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 the Sunday school lessons. Going beyond the, the mental ascent to, well, God, I guess God loves me, or he sent his son. But to get to your know, to that you know, that you know, that you know, and it's not that God loves me, it's the whole identity behind that love. That's the key. That is the key. And that's what we're going to go this morning. We're going to, we're going to get to the place where we're at. Yeah, I got this. I got this. Let's go to that next level. I got this. Amen. <clears throat> so I ended last week on a cliffhanger. I'm going to give you um, three ways of attack, three ways that Satan attacks. The first way is the key, all right? The first way is the key, and it opens doors to the second and third way. But as, as followers of Jesus, we living in the New Testament, now remember, anytime I talk about the attack or warfare, it's not, ooh, we're not to all start getting scared or, or oh my gosh. This is understanding. This is understanding, and understanding is the key to our success. You want security in your life, disengage from church, disengage from Christianese, disengage from all that, just think about life. What do you want in life to become successful? Now remember, we're talking about Everything when it comes to 2022 and beyond, say and beyond, is that place where it's not normal. No matter how founded I am in God's word, I want to keep, I want to go beyond. I know there's more, more understanding, more knowledge, more information that'll help me Go to the next level. See, there's no such thing. Even Paul recognizes that no one's going to know as much as Paul knew. Are you guys hearing me? I don't care how long you study the Bible. You're studying what he already knew. But no matter what, you need to understand, no, you're not going to go beyond that. And even Paul, knowing all that he knew, said, I got to keep pressing. And I'm like going, oh my gosh, how wonderful is that statement? I love it. Now, I know people, I've known people that think they've arrived. They think they know everything, and the buck stops here. And that's a sad place to be. Because the Bible is a living word, and not that the words change, but how it can impact your life can be new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, oh God. That'd be a good song. All right. It is one. All right, the first way, deception. And we already know through what we, we studied last week how the enemy works. He, he, he's got a method, right? We're not ignorant of his devices or his methodos, how he operates. That's what the scripture shows. We're, not, we're, we're, we're looking at 
an enemy that has a, this method. Then we saw that, hey, listen, he's got a team. He's got a bunch of players with him. And they're organized. They're not dis disorganized. They're not going, ah, you know. They're organized. And in that organization, they line up to the values of that team. Steal, kill, and destroy. And that's all they care about. Nothing else. They're not looking for your loyalty. Oh, join the Satan team. We really need you a part of our team. They hate you. Even when they're recruiting you, they're going, I wish you die. I wish you die. I wish you die. Hey, can you work for us? I wish you die. I wish you die. They can't operate any other way. But see, when you start seeing through the eyes of truth, you start looking at, man, they're losers. They're a losing team. I, I, I think about when I watch like different movies. You, um, I just finished, well, I'm almost through the, the Lord of the Rings. I watched The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, and I've seen them over and over and over. But no matter what you like, it, Star Wars, you know, the Dark Force and all this stuff. You look at all the pictures when it's relating to you got an enemy and you got the good. It's amazing how they portray the enemy the way the enemy really should be portrayed. And that is they can't trust each other. They're trying to kill each other. Always the enemy is trying to attack the enemy or they're going to end up you know, letting the, enemy, the other enemy go or, you know, to save this enemy's butt. I, I'm, I, it's always that way. And there's always tur turmoil and there's always distrust. And, and that's amazing how Hollywood understands how evil is. It's what the Bible teaches. And that is the enemy. But we're going to move into this, this 2022 knowing that enemy and making sure we don't get this foothold against us or stumbling through the enemy. Now, yeah, we're going to stumble through our dumbness. Amen. I'm talking about me. I would never say any one of you would do a dumb thing. You're so intelligent. We all done dumb. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, my gosh, he's talking about you right now. Turn the other one you're afraid to say that to. It's probably your wife. You'd be turning the other person. You're like, oh, I'm not going to tell her that. Come on now. Are you guys hearing me? So what we have here is deception. Now, in this area of deception, the, what, it, what it lines up to is your deception is you're believing something that you didn't previously believe. It, this is so important to understand because people, I, I've seen so many people being deceived. I'm talking church people. I mean, loving Jesus, and all of a sudden they're like going, ah, you know, and they don't want to go to church anymore because they've been deceived. And they've opened the door to the enemy in their lives. Not some of the time, all the time. It starts with deception. An enemy works in such subtle ways. He just doesn't come on, I'm Satan, ah, I'm trying to treat you something to lie. He's deceptive. Where the Bible says he comes as an angel of light. What does that mean? Deceptive. Deceptive. He's a counterfeiter. And so he, he, there's nothing original. He hasn't created anything. 
Are you guys following me? So when you, when you look at this information, you start realizing, okay, it's, it's about deception. That's the key. That's what I have to put that before my, my, my forethought. Always remember that. And in the area of deception, again, he's getting you to get to a place where this isn't the way I was thought originally. Now I'm in a different area. And the reason why deception is so strong is because you become deceived by the information that you now believe. So, see, it's how we're created. We're created to receive instruction and believe instruction. Uh, Everybody understand that? Listen, it's that simple and it's that, that understanding of how we even grew up in this earth is based upon the principle of sitting down before someone you don't even know and getting information you don't even understand and accepting it. That's how everybody on this planet operates. Everybody. Every human being. So it's in our nature to hear information and receive information. But the problem is, is once we get to a place in our lives, well, let let me back up a little bit. That's why it's so imperative, and this is the destruction we see in our society today, is we don't have a parental foundation in life. We've got little kids, little children, being sent to schools with no foundation. No Parents aren't creating a foundation. Are, are you guys hearing me? Y'all, if I talk common sense, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I grew up through high school and in the days of college, and I did things that I wasn't proud of. I got in relationships that I shouldn't got into. I had sex when I shouldn't be having sex. But you know what? You know who taught me about it? The guys I hung out with, not my parents, my dad, not my dad. My dad never had that talk. And I know there's a whole bunch of you out here right now, out there, millions, everybody, many of you never had those talks, but you had a talk. You just have a talk from the right foundation. So I made sure when I became a papa, And I was going to have a talk. And I was going to have a real talk. Not just about one little area. I'm talking about every area that's connected to this downfall of most young people. And so each, each, each boy, when it came time for me to give that talk, I took them out by themselves. We went up to the mountains and we had a time, days, a few days of talking. And it was so valuable because first and foremost, they have a foundation from their papa. And it was valuable to me to know that even though I didn't live that life or have that life, that things can change. And I could be valuable as that papa. Not just existing as a papa, but living life as one. Now, I, I'm not saying dad or father because in my house it's papa, okay? 
So it, you can put place dad in there, all right? Daddy, father, most holy bishop, whatever your name is. So we have the area where what happens is this. Always, this, this is the key. How, how, do I, how do I win against deception? Okay. The simple process is this. Don't always feel you have to have the answer. That's, that's not even correct in life. Nobody knows everything. So in that, you are able to be challenged with information, but you don't have to go down that pathway. You can say, no, I don't know. I'm not going that way. I don't know. Not just allow information to plummet you. Now, how do you do that? You go to the original source. Everything's tied to the original source. Now, I'm talking about believers. I'm talking about right now followers of Jesus. So you have an original source. And this is what's sad is, is most Christians don't have an original source of knowing God's love. Most don't. So what happens is their original source is, is the law of God, the angry of, anger of God, the God that I'm going to get you, the God of three strikes, you're out. The God of, you lied to me again. You said you'd never do it again. You did it again. Now I'm going to beat that God. The, the God that is not of the Bible, but the God that is of religion. I said, not the God of the Bible, the God of religion. And what we need to do is we have to have the foundation of truth. That's why so many Christians can be led astray because they can hear something. The enemy can speak to them and they don't have the found, they don't have the original source to go to. And so they believe they have to just accept and receive, but you don't. If you hear something, if you hear something that's contrary or contradicting, just, just stop yourself. Stop it, it. Even if it could be you don't need to get to the place where you're trying to rationalize or accept, accept it unless you've got a foundation. I do everything I possibly can in everything that I extract with the foundation of God's love. I believe if you, if you lay the foundation of God's love, everything you teach, everything you, you, you share can ultimately be brought back to that love. So I can talk about you overcoming, guarantee you can go back to love. I can talk about you being successful in life, successful in marriage, successful in your job. You can always take it back to foundation of love. That's what I do. Now I'm just speaking about me. Everything, everything I teach can go back to God's love. Everything. Because without that foundation, you have nothing. Starts with that foundation, all right? 2 Corinthians 11.3 says this. Paul speaking to the church. He says, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve. Everybody say serpent deceived Eve. What did the devil do? Deceived Eve, all right? Just as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that, that was his deceiving, his false impressions. 
So your minds, notice where he said, so your what? Your minds, your minds may be corrupted. The word corruption is a slow process of decay. Slow process of decay. Any, anytime you see the word corrupt or corrupted, it's tied, tied to the word like rust. No one goes out, it rains, and their, their car's rusty, right? You don't put metal, leave a tool out. I've never done anything like this before. And, and it get wet, and you forgot where you had it, and it stays there for months, and you come back and go, it wasn't that color before. See, at one time it was nice and shiny, now it's all red. What happened? The process of rust. And the, as long as the rust stays on it, it'll continue to eat away. What? It'll eat away the foundation. The tool will become weaker. Not workable. Because of what? Because of the slow process of corruption. All right? This is exactly how this works. You're not going to go out here get mad, and join the Satanist church. You're not going to do that. If you have a slow process of corruption, maybe months, year, whatever, you're going to. If you allow it to continue on. Do you see what I'm saying? It, that doesn't work that way, all right? There's this process of decay. So it says that the enemy might corrupt your minds Watch this. This is what I try to get across to everybody all the time. You ready for this? From the simplicity. Everybody say simplicity. From the elementary understanding. From the big crayon God. The big fat ones that don't break when you're young. The simplicity that is in what? That is in Christ. Not the hardness, not the deep revelation of Jesus. The simplicity. Nothing in the church should ever be difficult to understand. Too many people stand up in the pulpit with all this deep stuff confounding everybody because they want to look super spiritual. They're looking super stupid, not spiritual. Our responsibility is to teach, receive instruction so that we can use it. You got to understand the ABCs, the one plus ones. With that understanding, everybody in here is at different levels. This is, this is, this is what's so difficult about doing what I do. I have to understand that I can have kindergartners and college age people in the same room. But if the word is being done correctly, which I get out of the way and allow God to do what he does, what he does. And I believe he does a good job that we can get this information wherever, whatever level you're at and go, okay, all right. But see, the, the religious direction of life is the place where you're like going, well, <laughs> I've heard this one before. Can we get into some deeper revelation? Dude, you don't even know the Bible. I don't know why I always go with the Southern accent to act like an idiot. Now I could, I could be looked at as someone, you know, that's pretty bad. That's, that's really rotten of you. Listen, 
That's where my roots are, Arkansas, by the way. So if I'm ripping on anybody, I'd be ripping on me. So don't look at me that way. I can talk to, now if I, if I had nothing to do with the South or whatever, then that might be construed as, you think all those people are dumb. All I'm saying is, is I go that way sometimes. I just don't know why I do it. So the simplicity that's in Christ. You know what? This is where we got to learn to applaud at the right places. And when it comes to the simple things, we got to be going, yes, great. I want to hear that. I want it easy. Why? Because I want to learn. I want to learn. That's all. I just want to learn. I don't want to go to church and get a church brownie button. A church. I went to church like a vote tag. I went to church today. Who cares? I learned something today. I'm going to use this something today. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine. Second Thessalonians two, verse nine and 10. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. And it's talking about the Antichrist, but with all power, signs and lying wonders. And with what? All unrighteous deception among those who are perishing. Now, follow this because it's going to give some great insight. The enemy and his workers are going to operate through the process of deceiving. So he says that they will, he will bring deception among those who perish. Now, now, actually being destroyed is a better word. Now watch this. Because... They did not receive, and this is so important because this is the key to overcoming deception. They did not receive the deep revelations of God. No. They did not receive the love of the truth. What? They couldn't receive God's love. They couldn't receive the word of God presented to them and that love being spoken about. They couldn't receive it. And so what happened? They were deceived. What could have stopped the deception? Love. Love. The word of God is love instruction to you. It's not bondage. It's not legalism. It's not law. Oh, you can read about the Old Testament, but that in itself is a picture of man can't do it himself. He ain't smart enough. Well, they don't have ability because of a nature problem. But the point is, is God's always settling this information through. It's all about love. Isn't that powerful? The second thing after deception, you, it, once deception has ability to come into your life, the next step is fear, fear. First John 4, 18 says this. You guys ready for this? There's no fear in church. Nope, doesn't say that. There's no fear in Bible memorization. Nope. There's no fear in love. Back to love again. There's no fear in love, but perfect love we already know the word perfect, right? There's no such thing unless you're talking about Jesus, amen? So when you're talking about perfect, that, 
That word isn't something that we can, man, this is the most perfect dinner. No, it ain't. It might be awesome right now, but it ain't perfect. Now, you might feel that way. You might feel it, but I guarantee you, you know, something could have been done differently. But it's just what we use. We use the term perfect a lot. Amen? That's the most perfect pizza. That's the most, this car is perfect. And we use that, right? But even when we're using it, we really don't mean perfection. We just use it as a term. But because we use it as a term, we have this relation to perfection as if we have to get to a certain level to be that. And most of us can't really attain that word. So what I want you to see is I want to see, I want you to see the truth in this. And it literally means maturity. That's all maturity. Now, can an eight-year-old be mature? Yeah. In their level of maturity. When you, again, when you get tied with the simplicity, every level of life comes to a place of, well, I can be successful as a eight-year-old. I can be successful as a 13-year-old. Now, I know I'm pressing the limit right now. I can be successful as a 20-year-old. I can be, yeah. And when you start seeing it that way, you start realizing, okay, every level of my life, every area of my life is tied to the level of maturity. Maturity, I would define just in my own personal definition, is the ability to not be motivated or manipulated by an emotion. That's what I've, that's what I, when I look at scriptural maturity and maturity here, it's like someone getting something wrong happening to them. They're going, ah, okay, all right, let's, let's, let's deal with it. Or the, gosh, it always happens to me. That's not maturity. All right? That's not maturity. So what we need to do is we need to understand here God is saying, but mature love casts out fear because fear involves, mature love casts out fear. Why, why, is, why fear need to be cast out? Because fear involves or incorporates torment. You open the door of fear, you're going to be tormented. I don't care what kind of fear it is. A fear of cats, a fear, well, that's a rightful fear. Um, a fear, no, I'm just kidding, kind of. Um, a fear of bugs. You ever seen someone with a fear of bugs? It, it's crazy. There can be like a black spot on the rug. And a person with a fear of bugs can't act normally with a black spot. They can't. Have anybody ever known anybody like that? I mean, just, I mean, to the extreme? Anybody? What? <clears throat> I can be in an office in here. And I know my boys have something to do with something going on, but. But the point is, is, is what does it do? It, it, that fear, I need you to hear me. It involves torment. So what, is, what does that torment mean? What, to define it, the black spot. What happens? Not 
investigation, not a process of, of the first and foremost process should be there's a black spot, not there's a black widow that's ready to jump and attack me. Are you guys hearing? But see, this is what happens. Fear involves what? Torment. So that means the mind, the mind is in a opposite action or reaction to perception. If you have fear in your life, it doesn't mean you're all fearful. It means in the area of fear, you have torment. Anybody, are you hearing me? I just helped you. I just got you to understand that you're not a loser because you have some fear. Because that's how you define yourself. I'm so fearful. I don't believe you're so fearful. I believe you might have an area that you have fear in. And the Bible says you need some mature love in there. That mature love will tell you, spot, black widow, nothing matters because I got a big foot. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm stepping on a spot or I'm stepping on a spider, it don't matter. I had to teach my sons this about bugs when they're little. I remember watching Daniel the first time in a fly and he was freaking out. And I go, oh no, no, no. So I had to, I literally, I'm serious. And I had to explain to him, look at the size of you. I'm talking about a little, little kid. I go, you're bigger. You're more powerful. You can squash. And, and I had to do this with both of them to where they, they, they got to the place of not being fearful of bugs. Now I'm wishing they could have had some fear because they'd be grabbing bugs and bringing in all kinds of stuff. Gosh, maybe it should have had a little bit going on there. <laughs> but it's true. It's, it's what's happening. They, they went from the place of scared, fearful, which created torment because now they're doing this. <laughs> to the place of... There it is. All right. How do we win? Perfect love. It casts out. So whatever fear you're dealing with, let's get some mature love operating. Now you might think, what is that? I don't I just say God loves me, God loves me, I leave, God loves me, I don't have no fear no more. No. When we're talking about perfect love, we're always talking about what is that defined as to us? It's God's word. And the Bible says that we are to sanctify ourselves with what? With his truth. We're to allow the word of God, the truth of God's love to enter into our hearts and mind, and in our mind, into our hearts. And that mature love gives us the, the information, the understanding. I am an overcomer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, we're getting that love perfected, matured in our hearts, in our mind. Amen? Because no one likes torment. No one. You can handle torment if you got other people around you. But most of the time, you don't. No torment, amen? Amen. First Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. Woo, that's powerful. 
what I say? Love never fails. See what I said? Here I'm talking about, we're talking about enemy stuff, and it all cranks back down to this area of love. Amen? Love never fails. All right, after fear, we have oppression. Oppression, Acts 10, 38. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing some who were, what? Oh, it's, it's all? Well, no, I don't know if it's all. Why would he do all? Doesn't he need to teach some people a lesson? Oh, okay. That would have been a good place to put that there, wouldn't it? If God was using these kind of things to teach you something, shouldn't it have been put right there? See, we don't want to read like that. We understand opposite of that and assume and put our own opinions instead of letting truth teach us. He healed all. He set all free. And the only time healing of all didn't take place is when the people that needed it wouldn't accept it. That's the only place. Everybody else was healed. He healed them all. He healed them all. He healed them all. Came to his own town. Wanted to heal them all, but what did they do? Isn't that Jesus? Isn't he a son of Joseph? He's that carpenter's boy. And they heard him teach, and they were like, oh, man, that's pretty good. But nah, he lived in our town. He lived in Nazareth with us, Buckeye. Nothing good comes from Buckeye. Just the name Buckeye. Back in the day when I grew up, it was Sticksville, okay? So if you live in Buckeye now, you're okay. We lived in Buckeye for, was it like four months? We were in a house to get done and we sold our other house. We had four months, so I went to live with my mom and dad. Had a room in their trailer. <laughs> it's true. Every single day we'd drive there, every single day we'd drive away from there, we'd smell cow poop to the max, chicken pig poop to the max. Man, there were times when even rolling out the windows and trying to do everything we could, it was premating our car. We smelled like cow poop walking around. It was disgusting. But I digress. Oppression. Acts 10 38. I was just trying to help the Buckeye people in church. <laughs> Things have changed, right? Things have changed. Yeah, right. Okay. How God anointed Jesus. Anybody live in Buckeye? Do we have anybody? Oh, my bad. <laughs> Y'all wonderful. You don't smell like cow poop. All right, you're good. You're good. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He did what? Healed all who were oppressed by the devil. The power to cure, the power to release, the power to set free from undue restraints. And that's what the devil does. He restrains you, torments you brings oppression. Oppression is, is weight and heaviness over your life. Now, do you have oppression? 
See, this is the issue about oppression. Without the instruction, Bible instruction, you can get oppression and become completely oppressed just because of one area. See, if you look at the process of how this works, each one opens the door and becomes deeper and deeper and deeper to overtake you. So see, you can have fear, but if fear is left unchecked, it doesn't stay that way. It, it, it'll, it'll go other places. It's it just the way it works. The devil, he doesn't fight right. He's not fair. But once fear and torment is operating, then oppression. And I've known Christians that were in oppression. And I mean, it's almost like they're in a place where they can't even live. They're, they're oppressed. And you're, I mean, me personally, knowing some of these people, I know the journey, and I can tell you right now, the area of oppression should not make them want to give up their lives. But see, that's not how it works. That oppression becomes so overwhelming that they can't feel or experience anything else but the heaviness that's upon their lives. And see, when you start realizing, you start looking at this picture, the journey of the enemy is not a good journey. It can start up here like you think you got everything, but you're going to end up down here. You see it every day out there. You see, you know, athletes and stars that multi-millions and all of a sudden they're drug addicts or they're, and, and they got everything that you think, that's what I need to be happy. And they ain't happy. They can't have relationships. They can't have marriages. Nothing works because they got all the money, but nothing's working. That's a pretty sad picture. I mean, anytime you see a star get married and a movie star get married, y'all know it ain't gonna last. How many, how many movie stars? You, you could probably count them at one hand that you know are still married together. And the rest, no. Now, listen. I'm not trying to say that to make anyone in here feel guilty. I'm just saying, if you're looking at the wrong thing to bring happiness, you'll never be happy. You have to look at the right thing. And the right thing is joy. And joy is a choice. It's not a feeling. What did I just say? I just said, you want to wake up loving life, happiness, in a miserable state? Choose joy. Choose joy. Joy is a power that has ability to get you up in the midst of ugly. Anybody live in ugly before? I'm talking about not people. I'm talking about ugly. <laughs> Got to be careful. <laughs> that could be a dangerous thing. <laughs> but oppression is dangerous. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says this, casting down arguments and everything, every high thing, everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Casting down is a Greek word that literally is a military term that shows force of destruction. You are literally taking an enemy and throwing them down on the ground and putting a spear in their back. You're getting aggressive. With your thoughts that are not correct, you let them have a playground, they're going to play. You become militant with those wrong thoughts, you're going to have victory. Listen, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, but the violent take it by force. 
you're going to have to get aggressive. Aggressive with the word of God, aggressive with the promises of God, aggressive with your life before God. I mean, you're going to have to get aggressive in this thing. No, no, no more, you know, the devil comes by your house and goes, oh, there's all kinds of playground equipment we can jump on. Man, he comes by your house. It should be barbed wire, electrical fence. I mean, everything's saying, you, you go on, go on. Yeah, they ain't going to find no place here. I guarantee you, the devil isn't looking for the most fortified place to attack. They like easy. So they're going to go to your neighbor. They're going to go to someone else. I'm telling you, playing Christianese, being religious, going to church and never learning. Oh, that never happened here before. Going to church and never learning. All right, because you know everything. You're, you're an open door. It's obvious when the enemy comes in because how you react and how you act. Even in that statement, if you're getting all mad and angry, I'm proving my point. Moving right along. So we're to cast down these things, amen? Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give place. Don't give place, tapas. That's not, I'm not talking about food right now. <laughs> or topas. Um, it's where we get our word topographical, topo map. And that literally means a specific place. A specific place. Do not give, what is it? Don't give a, a physical location. Don't give that specific place. That open, don't open the door to who? The devil. Give no place to the devil. Now remember, we studied this out. How the enemy operates under that, that MO of devil being that he's going to throw thoughts over and over again. Listen, how many of you are good at, good at one thing at least? I mean, you're, you're like, oh, I'm good at this. Okay. The enemy is not going to you in those areas and trying to get you to open the door. Even in the natural, you're like going, whatever. That's crazy. I know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying, right? So there are certain things that I can communicate and talk about that I know what I'm talking about. So you can come with your, you know, Mickey Mouse conversation all you want. But when it comes down to it, I know what I'm talking about. But in other areas that I might have said, you know, some things I ought not have said. God, I'm so stupid. And I wish I didn't. Do that. How dumb is that? That's where the devil is looking for. He's looking for anything that's like, is that door open? And so what he does, he starts going. He's looking to see if he can get a physical position. That's what this means. I like this. I like to read simple. Don't you guys like to read simple? And are we not reading God's word? Well, let's flip it to simple. When the Bible says, don't give place, what does that mean? It means don't give place, but what does it mean? It means I have an option. I have the ability to not give place. 
If he said, don't give place, it means, hey, wait a minute. I'm empowered to say no. I've got authority to say no against the devil. Uh, this little scripture, even though I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to show you the information on it, the simplicity of the scripture, the simplicity of the love of the truth is this. If God said, don't give place, I don't have to give place. I have the ability to say no. He didn't say, don't give place. And that way of giving place is having 100,000 100, scriptures memorized in this one context. Don't give places. Have you gone to Bible college? Don't give places. Are you faithful to church? Don't give places. No, it's just to you, to me. Don't give place to the devil. Oh, okay. How about that? How about that? Daniel? Yes, God. Don't give place to the devil. Okay. La, 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 la. I mean, how simple is that? I like it. I like it. I'll dumb it down for me. You guys can, you know, deal with topos. <laughs> Second Corinthians 2.11. I don't want Satan to outwit us. After all, we're not ignorant. Everybody say ignorant. We're not ignorant of his devices, mind games, the way he tries to, you know, get in this area. We're not what? Ignorant. Everybody say ignorant. This word ignorant is so important because Paul says this over and over and over and over and over. All through his writings, we would not have you ignorant. We do not want you ignorant. We don't want you ignorant. We don't want you ignorant. I don't want you ignorant. He says this over and over and over through all his writings. What is he telling me? He's saying, I don't want you agnoeo, agnoeo. The importance of that word is, 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 is very important in the sense of What does that literally mean in the area of ignorance to me? Because see, I want to, you can be ignorant of something and not be open to the devil. So what does it really mean? And, and it is a word that you're going to understand and it'll help you. Because ultimately, when you look at this Greek word, it's, it's ignorance of certain facts. You know, that's, I'm ignorant of this information. I don't have full understanding of this, so I'm ignorant. But this is something else. This carries the picture of someone that is walking in information. But what happens is they start adding or allowing other information into the information they know. So what this saying is this, is that they're allowing this information in the limit of the information to be now something that can lead them to a place that isn't the right place. In, in other words, it's going to take them in an area that they should not be in because of that ignorance that is in their lives. It says, we don't want Satan, I mean, we don't want to be ignorant about Satan. What is it? It's, it's the person that has to create information or a misconception of information which robs them of their ability to get truth. 
So the, the ignorance is just not, I don't know. It's beyond that. It's the ability to be influenced or manipulated to a different outcome that you would normally be in if you had the right information. So Paul's saying this, I don't want you to be in a position where you could be led astray by misinformation, accepting it as truth. So I don't want you to be ignorant of how the enemy operates. I don't want you to be led astray. I don't want you to be uh, uh, manipulated or influenced in a wrong direction. I don't want you to be that way. And Paul talks about this many times. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. And that's what he's saying. I don't want you to have the wrong conclusion. I want you to know the truth. See, the knowledge of that truth and applying it will set you free. The foundation of love. First Peter 1.19 is going to freak you out. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, without blemish or spot, was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was already going to be the sacrificial lamb. Very important to see this. Revelation 13.8, the lamb who was sacrificed before the foundation of the world. Now, I just want you to hear the truth. I don't want you to try to figure it out. I want you to hear the truth. Because what we need is, we need the truth. Though truth comes from God's word, God himself is speaking to us truth. Now, he's telling me that before he did anything, he figured out an answer to a problem. There's nothing here. Nothing's been created. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This triuneness, this trinity of God had a meeting. And that meeting pretty much said, ultimately, we're going to sacrifice. Nothing's been created. This is, time hasn't even been created. Nothing. But before all this, God is saying, the lamb will be slain. The son is going to be crucified. This is amazing. Now, why is this so important? Well, John 3.16. I'm talking about what? I'm talking about Jesus, the son, going to the cross as a sacrifice before anything's created. How do you interpret that? John 3.16. For God so loved the world, here we are again. Before he did anything, because he is God, and this is the picture of God himself. I mean, this is what you learn in theology. That the ability to foresee and know the direction this is going before anything starts. And the whole time, he's reaching out for people not to mess up their lives. Even knowing, this is what I have to get you to the place to understand. Until you can grasp this, you're always going to question. 
I get it. I understand that. But the deeper you get in the foundation of God's love for you, the more stable life becomes. Yeah, you can feel all kinds of things. But see, I'm not going to operate by feeling. I'm going to operate by what did God say? God told me he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He said that in his word, and I heard him say it to me. Only three times in my whole life as, as a follower of Jesus have I heard a voice. I follow God's voice all the times, but I don't follow a voice that's saying, turn left, turn right, don't buy that. You're gonna wear that today. Nothing like that. But I can tell you there are many times, even in service, when God's speaking, speaking to my heart, telling, he's showing me something and I'll speak it, just what he says, but you ain't hearing it and I'm not hearing it. It's that leading, that guiding, that knowledge, that understanding. And he always sounds like his word, always. He's never not gonna sound like his word. You know when someone's getting off in their walk is when they start revealing or relaying their actions tied to, and they always use this, the Holy Spirit. Always. Not sometimes, all the time. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit's leading me. And it's contrary to what Scripture says. And you're like going, dude, that ain't no Holy Spirit. I mean, it's a spirit, but it ain't no holy one. Because anything that's going to contradict God's word is not God. Ever. Just know that. Okay, let's move on. That's, I can go with all kinds of weird stuff there. Not weird, but good stuff. First, um, Ephesians 2, 4. But because of his great love, his what? Great love. He didn't just say love. He said great love. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in the sin nature. It is by grace you have been saved. This is about God saying, I love you. This is about God who hasn't created anything yet, says, okay, I love you. And nothing's created. This, people, should get you a whole different level in your walk. To where you're like going, man, this love is real. It's big. It's big stuff. And it'll take you to a whole different, listen, it'll take you out, to, take you out of this Christianese to really this relevant life that has a purpose, has a meaning. It connects with you in everyday life. It connects with you in work. It connects with you everything, everything you do in life. This is what this is about. It's not about religion. It's not about church. This place is called a church, but it's a place we gather together to receive. Receive what? Instruction for Monday. To live life large, according to what God's word says. To have the best, the best families, the best marriages, the best uh, children, the, the best that we can get by this information. Do it your way. You repeat your way. Amen? You ain't no Burger King. Have it your way. All right, anyway. You guys are very spiritual. Once I got off the word of God, you were like going, that's not the Bible. Thank you. Foundation of hate, John 10, 10. Foundation of love is already proven. Foundation of hate, John 10, 10. Where the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief comes what? Steal, kill, and destroy. That's, that's his only purpose. Steal, kill, and destroy. His name starts off with Jesus says, thief, kleptus. 
does what? Klepto. You ever heard of kleptomaniac? That's where they get the word. Kleptus, klepto. He can only steal. That's everything within him, how he's created, not how he was created, but how he became, is all about thievery. He's going to steal. Then it says kill. It is not the Greek word kill. It's actually the Greek word for sacrifice. Isn't that interesting? So you have the, the words that are tied to murder and to killing someone, and then you have a word that's actually a religious word for sacrifice. I, I find that fascinating that it says steal and then sacrifice. And I'm thinking, how in the world does that work? Well, then you have to use the context of how the enemy works. And how does the enemy work? He works the mind game. And what's he trying to get you to do? Sacrifice. You're a loser. God doesn't love you. So you need to sacrifice something for him. It's a legalistic term. It's a picture of sacrifice. I have to kill, sacrifice something to be able to get God to accept. And he uses that flip side to you. And says, well, you're going to have to start sacrificing. And anything with the enemy has to do with works. Legalism. You know, if you just give more. Wait a minute, that is God. He's trying to get you to operate in your abilities. Listen, what is the devil doing? You would think it's, I want him dead. I want everybody killed right away. That would be too simple, and you're not going to win that way. The moment the devil starts operating and people start dying, they're like going, all right, forget that. We're not doing that. So he's long-term. The long-term plan is the more I can get you screwed up, the more you can screw other people up, because that's how you guys work. I've seen this over and over and over in churches. You see one person just screw up their lives, never had friends, and all of a sudden they start finding all these friends when their lives all screwed up to screw them up. And they never were friends in the first place. But that's how the enemy knows people are. He knows. So his plans are to really try to open that, get that in that open door, screw your life up. So you're going to screw up your husband, your wife, your kids, your co-workers. He's just going to use you for his service. And get away with it because what? You're a Christian. <laughs> Are you guys hearing me? It's how the enemy works. And then destroy. It's the same concept for corruption. It's not boom. It's a process of bringing utter destruction. But it's a process. You open the door to that devil, you ain't going to start, you know, going, ah, Satan, Satan. Nope. You're going to go through a process of getting your life stolen. You're going to go through a process of believing that you need to sacrifice and you need to, you need to do everything you can because God doesn't believe, God doesn't see, God doesn't feel, God doesn't love, but you got to sacrifice, sacrifice, give, give, sacrifice. And then the process of destruction, it'll happen. It'll happen. That's how the enemy works. That's the foundation of hate. You look at the life of Adam. The first Adam says this. 
in Adam all die. There's your definition of the nature of sin. Not in sins you commit. It's not about the sins you commit. It's about the nature. You understand the Bible correctly. You understand it's about nature, not about sins. Sins is about legalism and works. If you're an apple tree, you're going to produce apples. You can scream and cry all day long about apples, but until the nature has changed, you're going to keep doing apples. So it ain't about apples. It's about the nature. Adam allowed himself to disobey God. Eve was deceived. Scripture makes it very clear. The devil did what? He went to the open door. The devil couldn't get, do you know what, the, you know what Adam's first charge was? Protect the garden. From what? All the animals are happy animals. Why would God say protect the garden? Unless there was something to protect it from. So he's given a charge to protect. And what did he do? He didn't protect. See, the enemy, I believe, looked at Adam and said, I can't get in that door. But then all of a sudden, Eve comes on the scene. And he hears and he's watching Eve. And he's like going, hey, there's my open door. So he comes in as a serpent. And starts talking to Eve, and all of a sudden, what is he? He doesn't get a closed door. He comes up all, all you know, serpent-like to Eve and says, Hey, sister. <laughs> that, that was cool. And he literally says, Hey, did God say this? Doesn't that, sound, doesn't that sound religious? Doesn't it sound like, wow, hey, he's talking about our God. Did God really say this? Oh, maybe he really wants to learn something, this serpent. Are you guys following me? Did God really say? And she's like going, oh, well, yeah, this is what God said. Well, did God, and, and this guy is so sly in what he's doing. He's using terminology that engages Eve, but the problem is, is Adam is there. That's the open door. How did Jesus get sold out? Through an open door. Who was that? Judas. The enemy got into Judas, because the Bible says, and the enemy entered Judas. And he sold out Jesus. Said, hey, he's over there. He's going to be right over there. Now, the picture is, is the, the key to what we need to understand because that first Adam, he didn't fight back. He should have killed the snake instantly. The moment he questioned his God is the moment he should have went. I mean, he could have laser rayed. I don't know. I mean, literally, I mean, he, he's Adam. I mean, he just, you know, but that didn't take place, did it? No. And that's why the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Adam, the last Adam, Jesus, oh, same picture. Jesus is walking, starting ministry, and the devil comes 40 days, 40 nights of no eating. And Jesus is now hungry. 
What didn't it start off about food thing in the beginning? Yeah, it did, didn't it? Now you ought to eat this. It's good. This is good food. Good food. Good food. But what happens? Same thing. Same exact thing. Now Jesus is being questioned by the devil. His first statement is this. If you're the son of God. Process. What? If you're the son of God. Turn the stones to bread. If you're the son of God. Jump off. The angels will catch you. If you're the, I mean, he, he's challenging Jesus. What does Jesus do? He quotes the scripture. The devil does what? Quotes partial scripture as an angel of light. Religious people, partial scripture. It's, it's so, so elementary of how the enemy, even religion works trying to get you to see through a process of, you might not know it, but they've quote scripture in a wrong way. And you assume, well, it's the scripture. They know the Bible. But the truth is they don't know the Bible. They're quoting scripture wrong, out of context. And it can bring deception. So Jesus does what? He, he, he answers with the truth. So what's the picture? What's the, what's the story that we need to understand about this, this thing? See, the foundation of love is the key. The foundation of hate is attack truth to bring deception. The foundation of love is to what? Now, we would assume it's what we assume, and that is the word, right? The word. So that would mean that if I just memorize the word, I can overcome the devil, that's how most people would feel. That's how I've heard most people think. I've heard teaching on this stuff. Well, you need to have the word. Get the word. Memorize the word. Speak the word. Speak the word. But you know what? That's bull. Because it wasn't the word, though he spoke the word. It was his relationship with the word. And that's the difference. I've seen in thousands of Christians. There's Christians that have, they can speak Bible but there's no relationship and there's no power. I'm telling you right now. But see, what was stated before Jesus went to and was in that attack? The words of the Father saying, you are my beloved son. Jesus believed that he was the beloved son of the Father. The devil said, if... You're the son. And Jesus quoted what? Scripture backed with, I'm his favorite. I'm his favorite. I'm Jesus. I'm the son of God. I am the son of the living God. And so every time Jesus came at him with scripture, it was backed with relationship. And that's the key. That's the key. Father, we thank you for the word and thank you for the truth of the word of God. And Lord, I believe that we are receiving instruction that'll take us to the next level. Next gen, that's what we are. We're people that are going in beyond because this word is going to take us to these places that we've never been before. And we're going to experience greatness in your kingdom because ultimately that's your destiny for each and every believer. We're just choosing to receive it and accept it and to walk in this love walk, this love life that is going to impact us and impact those around us because we're not just going to speak a bunch of words. 
We're going to live this word before all. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. All right, y'all. Love you guys. You're awesome. Go out there and win the world. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.